0: Forever, Dog. I don't think actors really retire. They just kind of choose fewer jobs, or they make choices that are based on what you want to do rather than need to do.
1: I find when I, if I look at something that is a possibility, if it's uh, if it's television and every scene that I'm supposed to be in says night exterior <laughs> and they're going to be shooting in February, it's like you know. I could do the Americans a few years back, but now I'm, uh, this better be really good. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from Speechless or The Big Bang Theory or the BBC Hulu co-production The Wrong Mans. I play a sleazy lawyer. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome to our very first couples episode. We are celebrating the Day of Love with Dylan. And Becky Ann Baker, you know, Dylan from The Good Wife or Happiness or maybe his extensive New York theater career, you know, Becky from Freaks and Geeks or Girls or maybe her extensive theater career. We talk about being married in this business. We talk about all of the aforementioned credits. We talk about how New York has changed over the years and it has changed quite a bit. It, it's a real delightful episode. They were in two separate locations. Uh, Becky was at their house upstate while Dylan's doing some sort of top secret project in New York, but we all got together on Zoom and uh, here's the conversation. Please welcome Dylan and Becky Ann Baker. Dylan and Becky Ann Baker, I'm so excited you guys were able to do this. Um, this is our inaugural valentine's day episode and i thank you guys <laughs> for being a part of that i um, love it to that end i have you guys i i have a shared credit for you two in shakespeare in the park is that where you guys met
0: uh, it was a little no. earlier than that
2: yeah. actually okay. that
1: was uh that was that... uh shakespeare in the park was the year that we got married actually uh yeah. and uh we got married on september 6th and basically got to do Shakespeare in the Park. Walked to the hand in hand to the uh, theater each night in the park, uh, six nights a week. No matinees. It was a it was a really sweet job. What was it the was, play? Was it two gentlemen?
0: It was two gentlemen, and I was Lucetta, and Dylan was uh, Launce, and it, so it was like perfect. It was the perfect roles. Perfect Elizabeth Montgomery and Debbie Rush, and I were the women, and it was so much fun.
2: Oh my God, Elizabeth Montgomery! Yeah. Wow. God, yeah. I love the Delacorte. I, I saw well, first of all, I, I, I was doing my homework and Dylan I, I saw you in Much Ado with Kevin oh. Klein and Blythe Danner, which was a great evening. I think that was my first time there, actually, and it was a terrific I think it's the one I think that is the one where Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates met.
1: It's possible, yes, because or did they already know each other? But they—they they definitely, you know, there was uh, there was definitely sparks going on. I know it was that, interesting
2: because yeah. the audience was kind of like hmm, Phoebe Cates in a Shakespeare play, and then she was great. <laughs> she
0: was, she was great. <laughs> she was charming yeah. as hell. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so, where yeah. did you guys meet? If not, if not the Delacorte,
0: Williamstown Theater Festival, the summer of nineteen eighty-five. Doing oh, a wow. little doing what? musical, doing a musical called "To Whom It May Concern" by Carol Hall, directed by Geraldine Fitzgerald. Really? Who, I, yeah, it was just amazing, and all kinds of great people were in it. And then it it uh, had its uh, you know debut at Williamstown Theater Festival, and then moved into the city that fall uh, for a nice run of about I don't know six, seven, eight months, and. Uh, 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 had a, you know, a, a terrific little run off Broadway um, at a church because it all takes place in a church. And, and there was Wait, a church which church?
1: On... St. Stephen's Church up on 69th Street between Broadway and Columbus.
2: Uh, they used to do a ton of theater there. I saw a yeah. really weird production of a musical version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe there ah, okay. in like the early okay. 80s at some point. Um, a big guy dressed as Aslan. It was a whole
1: thing. Um, they had uh, they had a, a downstairs that for you know AA meetings. And one night I was so excited because I opened the door and in walked and I'm like, oh my god, she's coming to see the musical. And she said, where's the AA meeting? <laughs> <And I'm> like,
0: <laughs> All right, Dylan.
2: I would gently remind you what that second A is for, but okay, <laughs> um, that's 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 fine. Um, <laughs> Uh, she's probably, she's probably pretty candid about it.
1: Is this when I'm supposed to start cursing? Yeah, she, right here. Yeah, this is it. My name is. And anyways. Um, so,
2: so what, um, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know that show. Um, at what point are you like, maybe this is too personal and I didn't expect to ask it. At what point are you like? Oh, this is more than a showmance. We're not just stuck up here in Massachusetts. This is really a thing.
0: Well, I remember your sister thought it was going to be a showmance. She was very, very against you dating some actor that you were working with. I remember. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, My sister
1: knew Becky from before because Becky had thrown a party for a show that my sister was in uh, on an off-Broadway off show right over here on 43rd Street. And uh, Becky threw a party. And I actually happened to be in town that weekend and went to Becky's apartment a couple of years before I met her. But and neither one of us remember have, meeting yeah. each other, but we probably did.
0: I think it was just uh, a really good party, and that's why.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. This would it have been the a, early 80s, so it would one of
2: those parties where maybe you don't remember everything. I, every yeah, I think detail. it was like
0: a beers in the bathtub. You know, we would just put, you know, ice all in the bathtub, and everybody put beer and wine in there. And, and so if you had to you know go to the bathroom or get a drink it was uh, you know uh, your choice
2: it was all in the same place yeah that's yeah. so good <laughs> um so you guys um fall in love and you, you 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 get into the the city together um and you both have massive bodies of work um before there's certain roles for both of you that kind of uh, I don't want to say a big break, but there's moments where your, your career kind of shifts a little bit. And Dylan, I want to start with you real quick. Um, the first time I remember being like, oh, this guy keeps showing up, and now he's a, got a huge role, but it's as a pedophile. Can we talk about happiness for a moment? Um, were there moments when you play something like that, and it's a big role, and it's one of your earlier big roles, unless I'm mistaken – Oh, you know, yeah, definitely. Is there definitely a certain hesitation of problem? like, oh, is this where I want to get my footing in the business?
1: Or or do you just go, screw it, it's a great part, let's do this? You know, I probably should have had some hesitation. <laughs> but I think, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I went into the business because I really enjoyed exploring dark places in human beings. And it always was how I kind of like uh, searched out roles and plays and whatnot. So finding this guy, and and certainly when I read it, it was the best script I'd ever read. Uh, Certainly the biggest part, but the best writing of a script. And uh, when I was offered the role, I I thought, oh, I'm supposed to sit down and question this. And two minutes later, I was like, get out of town. I'm doing this damn thing. Becky, did you have thoughts on the matter?
0: You know, I... I remember reading it as well, because I think I auditioned for it and didn't get it. Um, well, I know I didn't get it, but I, I'm pretty sure I meant <laughs> Maybe to- not the
1: same role. Um, right, uh, no, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but, they cast a um, real wide net. So. You know, I mean,
0: call us <laughs> call crazy, but I think we were really excited about it. I thought it was some of the best writing I'd read in a long time. So I think we tend to lean towards good writing first, rather than anything else in this entire business. Um, if if something's well-written, we're, like, jumping up and down. So I think that that's how we both felt.
2: It shows in, in, in both of your, your careers. Is there a moment? So, you know, we're always told that, like, no matter what the character we're playing is, we've got to find a way into this guy. We've got to find some compassion for this character somehow. We've got to, you know, not necessarily make him likable. We have to understand a little bit about where he's coming from. Character in question is a uh, is a, a pedophile and also not a great shrink. Isn't really paying attention to his uh, <laughs> patients. <laughs> it's not like one of those like he's not like a Hannibal Lecter like. Well, he's brilliant. He eats people, but he is brilliant. I'm not even sure this guy's a great shrink. So, what was no. your into this yeah. guy? What was your what was your way to be like? I want to like connect with this character.
1: I think you know, for me, it was all about the secrets that we keep and hold dear. Um, I read some books about uh, uh, sexual perversity, basically, in that uh, sometimes people have a hidden life, a hidden uh, uh, thing that that gets them to a place where they think, I've got something going on that nobody knows about. And it's the most special thing in my life. And I think for him, for Bill Maplewood, that was it for him, that he he had this private, strange uh, fixation with little boys that he thought nobody else in the world experienced. And therefore, he protected it and kept it secret. And it, of course, destroyed him. Interesting. That's terrifying. Um,
2: when that shift in career happened with happiness which was a huge film for a lot of you it was also a a, a lot of people started to take notice of Philip Seymour Hoffman at that time yeah, definitely, it, definitely it it was it was an unusual star making vehicle
1: <laughs> although i was i was really aware of philip i was very excited to meet him so i'm not sure what he had done before but i was really aware of him was and... that a new york theater thing though or was that a
0: might have been, might have I, been. I, I, I don't feel like
1: I knew him from New York theater. I think it was from either film. I think it must have been in some kind of film like uh, he was in uh, that, uh, wasn't he in that uh, schoolboy thing? Uh, oh, he's thing? in Scent of a Woman. He's in Scent of a Woman, yeah. That's yeah. right. He, I always forget he's so, in Scent of a Woman. Yeah. He's in um, Twister too. People always forget he's in Twister, but there's Philip Seymour Hoffman in fucking Twister. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he came to the set, and it was just like he was ready to go to work. He had this three-page monologue all about, "I, I, that was all. And for me, I was literally at the end of the first month, and I had started everything off, and we'd done everything I had except my first, my last day was Philip's first day. So... There was a part of me that I was like, Oh, the crew, you know, hey, what you doing, having fun? And there comes, hey Philip, and he's like, I I've gotta work on this thing. Who are you, you big idiot? So <laughs> we uh we met very strange and of course all I do is just sit there and listen. So uh, yeah. um uh Becky,
2: wanna hop over to, to you for a moment. Um again one of those actors that i have seen in a bunch of things and then it really it it for me it kind of clicked in um uh in freaks and geeks um which was one of your your few long-term excursions out here in california since you guys are both based in new york um I actually want to sort of do a, a compare and contrast with with the mom and freaks and geeks and the mom and girls. The roles are are separated. the the jobs are separated by about 10 years, but the characters are separated by closer to 30, two very different generations, two rather right. distinct approaches to parenting. Did you am I overthinking this on your behalf? like were there were there was there a way you approached the way they were moms different for the two roles?
0: Yeah, oh, wildly different. I mean, Gene Weir in Freaks and Geeks was raised in the 50s in a kind of perfect world, you know, and so... When she's raising her kids, she thinks everything is going to be as ideal, you know, idyllic as her childhood and that kind of scruffy, clean, you know, all-American, um, you know, glee club kind of way. I just think my kids are going to follow the same path I had. And um I think, you know, examples are like the, the Halloween episode where I think baking cookies and giving them out is a, a perfectly normal thing to do, you know, and then I'm just... Uh, taken through the ringer for doing it. And, uh, you know, so so then to have these two kids that are having these completely different experiences of life, of high school life, was just shocking to Jean, you know. Whereas I think, you know, um, in Girls, I am... Uh, the sadder but wiser mother who's just putting her foot down and just you know you know no more money. It's you know it all it's all summed up in the the pilot of you know you've got very to start first scene
2: of the pilot unless yeah, I'm mistaken. Yeah, yeah,
0: you've got to do this. You know, you've got to get it together and, and start working, and um, you know a much tougher parent than my husband on her, uh, just you know in so many ways. Um, so yeah, I think uh, uh, they're they're wildly different.
2: It's interesting. It's just now dawning on me when you say it that Hannah's mom is about the age of Sam and Lindsay. Had they grown up?
0: Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Yeah, that's pretty well. Yeah, I mean, like I'm raising... solidly.
2: They're they're solid. Um,
1: like yeah, tail they would into be the raising.
0: Boom. They would be raising millennials. You're absolutely right. They would be parents to millennials. And, uh, you know, that's what Lorene is doing. She's just uh, raising a millennial. It's so interesting because our daughter was just graduating from high school when we shot the pilot. Really? um, Yeah. How do you uh, use that?
2: well i mean it was, it was
0: it was great because How do you I did not it, use... It, not really. yeah but but I ended up learning more about my real daughter, my real life daughter than it, it, she didn 't inform the show as much as the show informed my parenting for my daughter, my real daughter, if you know what I mean uh, it was in lena 's writing she was so accurate about millennials in a way that i didn 't understand yet when we started that show i didn 't quite get what the the ethic was you know what what the hell was going on with them and you know six seasons later i i had a grasp on you know what it was to be growing up at their at their age you know parents who had told them that they could do anything and be anything they wanted to be that they were brilliant and wonderful and then they believed us you know they grew up to believe cool. us. And, and, and it was it just so informed. Actually, I could turn around and look at my daughter and her friends and go, oh, this is why you're doing that. This is why you you can't seem to, you know, oh, land on a particular, you know, way. You know, I, I mean, my generation of um, baby boomers was so disciplined. Um, and then here come these free thinking millennials, you know. Right. So it was interesting.
2: What's interesting about both projects is that they're ostensibly about the girls and the freaks and geeks. But what made them unique is that the parents are not given short shrift. These are dimensionalized characters. These are not like empty authority figures. These are right. people with rich inner lives, particularly uh, particularly Mrs. Horvath, who goes through the ringer in six seasons. Yeah. Um, talk yeah. a little bit about, well, if it's not... It's still pretty soon, but I, I'd love to talk a little bit about Peter Scolari and your work with him on that show. It's a very complicated marriage,
0: right? Right, it is. I for and just let me say that he was the most fun person to work with ever. Ever, I've never heard he anyone made, say
2: otherwise. Yeah,
0: it it just he made everything so much fun. He he was thinking constantly of how to. Uh, well, for one thing, he was just entertaining all of us all the time, but in a really thoughtful way, in a way that always informed the character or the story. Uh, he, he And he was incredibly brave, our first season, to do that shower scene.
2: Oh, God. You know? Well, both of you. I mean, both of you do I things know. that are not often I asked know. of actors.
0: I know. And, you know, I just remember being called by the um, wardrobe person that week and saying, well, I guess we Why? don't need a fitting. What did they have she to said, do with <laughs> she, said, she, she said, I guess we don't need a fitting this week. And I said, what do you What do you mean? She said, you haven't read the script yet? And I said, no. And she said, I'm so sorry. Let me get, and they got a producer on the phone to explain what was <laughs> going on. I was like, so like everything. That's you know, how you, you found always, out? Yeah, yeah. But you always find out. You always find out from wardrobe. You always do. I wasn't going, well, know, don't
2: look at me. I, it doesn't I, look, I, I, you know, I'm a typical character actor in that no one is, I, don't, I rarely even take my shirt off. Um, I'm lucky if you see my forearms. I, um, what, but I, mean, you, you uh, always I, I was find not out. going to bring this up, but you brought it up. So here we go. Yeah, here we go. So is this, this is on the cusp where there may or may not have been uh, an intimacy coordinator
0: Oh, you know, I don't think there was really, no, there wasn't an intimacy coordinator at that point. But they did, um, you know, who who were took that place were the makeup and wardrobe people. They were the ones that were helping protect us. And of course, Peter was Peter. And it, we had just had such a great relationship already. And so... Thank God. And they only allowed, I think, the cameraman and the sound guy were the only two right. people in the... Set. Everybody else was way far away in Video Village or wherever they needed to be. Um, But it was always between how we were always treated so respectfully, and uh, everyone treated it with uh, really a lot of care and um, uh, respect. So um, it was, uh, I never felt awkward about it. I mean, we thought it was hilarious, Peter and I. We well, the it just, it's just—it's a—it we were... was an
2: incredibly realistic. of you know, these people are trying to keep the spark alive in the marriage. Yes. they've got a yeah. million things standing in the way. Why yeah. not this moment? And why not? You know, we—we've seen. Yeah. You know, by this point, we know every every corner of 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 our lead. Why not open up the the rest of the call sheet?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think that they, you know, and it, and it was. Uh, done wonderfully sensitively, but it was also hilarious, you know? Yeah. Which is what I think appealed to Peter and I, you know, th- that it was funny. So, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: He had such an interesting career because, you know, to to make your break with someone who goes on to become, you know, the father of America, basically, but to still have a really interesting, eclectic uh, drama, comedy, theater, TV, film, career. Oh, yeah. After that is is so inspiring. We actually we did a special segment on this very podcast when he passed a few months back, because he was such a so representative of the people we talked to on this show.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, did you guys keep in touch?
0: Oh gosh, yes. We we did things after it. Uh, we played. Uh, we did a thing for the women 's project that were uh, two poets and it was just a two person thing and it was um uh, it, it was one of those casts that kept changing so Peter and I did it for two weeks and um but we um and he and his wife tracy and Dylan and i would go we went to see a couple plays together, and we were always scheduling you know uh, chances to see each other so um and uh he and Dylan uh, worked together on evil about I don't know seven eight months before he passed and he was able to tell us what was going on and um uh you know so uh it wasn't a t- total shock but it, we thought things were going in a better direction and then they just weren't and I'm so um, sorry I'm yeah, so sorry yeah 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 <laughs>
2: talked a little bit before we started recording. Question for, for both of you about how the business has changed in New York, where you guys have lived for for years now. Um, uh, Becky, you're from where? You're from Kentucky?
0: My my family's from Kentucky, but I was a military kid. My dad was a career army officer. So we moved all around, but Kentucky was always our home base. Yeah.
1: And Dylan, you're from the Midwest? Is that right? Uh, I'm, I, I was born in upstate New York, but almost immediately we moved to Virginia. Lynchburg, oh, so not Virginia, the Midwest at all. I apologize. So um, outside of D.C. So. Outside of D.C. Were they, uh, were they government?
2: Uh, well, uh,
1: like three hours outside of D.C. Oh, I see. More, you know, but D.C. was my—that was the big city for me growing up.
2: Uh, Would you go in and see
1: theater and stuff or go to stuff like uh, the arena not, not, well, not theater, really. Uh, what happened was my uh, mother had grown up in D.C., so she had relatives, so we'd go to her to her uh, sister's uh, house and their three children, four children, and we got very close to them as cousins. We're still incredibly close, but I ended up going to high school to a boarding school uh, just outside of D.C., and then I went to theater in the area, the arena and stuff
2: like that. So actually, let's back up further from New York then. At what point, question for both of you, do you think, does it click that, oh, acting is something that I could do for a living?
0: I For me, it was really young. I, I would uh, watch those movies, you know, with showgirls. I, I always... And I was taking ballet at a very young age and singing in choirs. And I, so I never thought further than a chorus girl. I thought a chorus girl would probably be the best thing I could do, would be go to Broadway and sing and dance for a living. And that was, you know, seeing a, a lot of different movies on television was what informed that. <laughs> and when, I just when you say thought, those
2: movies, are you talking like 42nd Street, Busby Berkeley? Y-
0: sure. And um, the ones, you know, what's the one uh, with where they are all living? Uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, the. The, you know, the, uh, the one where they're all living in that women's home. The women?
1: Women? No, not the, the women. women? No.
0: no, no, that's a uh, totally different movie. Anyway, uh, I can't, I'm can't. i not uh, great at uh, film history. I'm, I always forget everything I want to say. But, you know, I'd be watching all those old movies where women were dancing and singing for a living. And I thought that that was just perfect. And uh, so when I got to New York and I got my first Broadway show fairly quickly, I thought, well, now what do I do? Because I was in the course of the original Best Little Whorehouse in Texas pretty pretty quickly after I moved to New York. and uh, Really? And then, uh, yeah, I mean, so that was my entire dream was solved within a couple years of uh, arriving in the city. Uh, my my you know. father
2: uh, worked in customer service in the paper industry, was constantly taking clients to shows, and was constantly taking clients specifically to see Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. He oh, must have seen yeah. that show Ten times, he had opinions when a new sheriff came through. He, oh, yeah. uh, It was a whole, it was, oh, it was that's part great. of his cultural landscape in a huge oh, my way. Oh,
0: gosh. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it was my grad school because I stayed with it. They kept giving me better roles. So I ended up staying with it pretty much the whole four years that it ran. I played the original, uh, my original role was Ruby Ray. And then I moved to Ginger and then Dotsy May. And by the end, I was understudying the lead and going on at the ripe old age of like 26.
2: That's way (laughs) too young for that role.
0: It was crazy, but it was so much fun. It It really was kind of like my grad school, my idea of grad school, you know.
2: It's interesting i don't think people realize how i certainly didn't how much musical theater you guys have in your in your background dylan same question to you when did you realize you could do this as uh, for a job
1: um well first of all i uh w- was pretty convinced in high school i couldn't i did audition for one play a musical of guys and dolls and didn't get in the chorus i didn't get in so then i went to william and mary for college. And the first day, for some reason, I walked over to the theater and there was a little sign. They were having auditions for a play, a updated version of Aristophanes' The Clouds. And I went in and they gave me size, and I went up. And when I read on the stage for the play, I, I think that moment was when I said, I didn't know if I could make a living at it, but I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
2: Begs the question, did you get the role?
1: Yes, I did okay, actually. Good, good, I good. didn't get the role I was auditioning for, but I got the smallest role in the play who was a servant and I, you know, it was on the main stage and I I mean every every part of it the opening night when all of a sudden there were people behind the curtain and we were all pretending to be asleep at the beginning of the and the curtain re- and I could hear the it was the greatest thing and it was only, you know, the, the we did like, did it like four times probably and there was after uh, during a performance. I was in the dressing room with one of the actresses who was in the chorus of the uh, dancing clouds, and uh, I said something about the play, and she looked at me and she said, "Dylan, you don't think this is good, do you?" <laughs> and I I was shocked. I thought it was. I thought we all were like, "Yay, let's do the play," and she said, "Dylan, this is the worst." piece of shit that has ever been on the stage and I was oh I, I, I okay I, I didn't know that we were all supposed to be cynical <laughs> well has that happened
2: since have you found yourself either of you have you found yourself in a place where you're like man this is great and some actor comes along and goes wow this job blows huh and you're just <laughs> crestfallen has that happened because it's happened to it, me it,
0: it's happened to me in a in a in a worse the, the the I was doing this beautiful play by Richard Greenberg called The House in Town at Lincoln Center and I loved it dearly and Jessica Hecht was in it with me she was the lead and I was you know her support I loved this play so much I just thought it was the most beautiful brilliant thing <laughs> the first time we had an audience they didn't applaud at the end of it they ha- we had to come out and take a curtain call and then they started to I mean I'm telling you. And and then it was just crushed by the critics, just crushed. Um, so y- and you this know, is,
1: this is one of our greatest playwrights. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Lambert's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and the play was beautiful. I loved the
0: play. Oh my gosh! But, but so sometimes I don't know whether it's just I don't know. Are we clueless? Are they clueless? I just don't know.
2: Well, you've got to, I mean, you've got to commit and you've got to throw yourself into these things, especially a theatrical run where you're not yeah. going to be able to phone this in. You're gearing up for eight shows a week. You know, it, it's going to yeah. be a whole, whole thing. So you, it behooves you to think it's awesome,
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. awful when
2: uh, an audience decides uh, oh. otherwise. <laughs>
0: oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't just that audience. None of the audiences, were, they, nobody liked it. Nobody liked it.
2: <laughs> do you think it was the, I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep on this. Do you think it was the play? you think it was the production?
0: I, no, I, I, do I, I, I really, I would love to go sit in the audience and see exactly what we did. You know, that's I your have That's no your time idea. travel
2: uh, plan? I, you're I not going to kill yeah. Hitler, you're going to go back and see yourself? I'm the... going to go
0: back and see, I'm going to go back and see the Who house in town. that
1: play? <laughs> I
0: so deeply want to know what was wrong. Um, let's talk
2: actually, uh, check out this segue as long as we are discussing time travel. Um, let's talk about period pieces. Um, both of which, uh, both of you have done quite about quite a bit. Um, Dylan, you've done a ton. I was looking at your resume. There's just, you're constantly, constantly not playing 21st century. Um, so two part question for you, Dylan. Why do you think that is? What is it about you that they are constantly casting you as businessman from the fifties or just a little bit later?
0: Uh,
1: I, I, you know, if I, if I knew, I'd tell you, I guess, uh, I, 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 I really have no idea. I think I have a contemporary look, but maybe not. Maybe I just, uh, uh, uh maybe there's, there's a lot more roles available for white guys in the fifties and in the sixties, you know, um,
2: Becky, do you but, have thoughts or, on, on Dylan's, uh, on Dylan's weird retro appearance?
0: Well, I was going to say the other part of that is that question is that you, you do classics really well. I mean, you really well. He's terrific at Shakespeare. And um, so when I see you in plays like that, I, I think that the casting might think of you for things that are a little more dated, you know, just because you, you uh, have access to language, you know, uh, and things that don't need that kind of uh, casual speech Um, i can
1: also say that for a guy that does not enjoy wearing suits i get cast in suits all the time i have have, i've seen you in a t-shirt
2: once in your career i have no idea what you look like outside of a tie um i was watching you in a suit and turtleneck just this morning on good wife um yeah you you are they um they just, I mean, I know what your fittings look like. You show up, there's a rack of suits. You pick the one that makes your eyes pop, you go home.
1: That's
2: right. <laughs> um, that is, uh, it's interesting. Ties.
1: It's all about the
2: ties. It's bro, about the ties. Like... The ties really, the ties make the man. Um, let's um, digress for a moment over to... Um, to hunters for a second uh in your history of appealing sensitive roles dylan um the uh the semi-retired nazi working for the carter administration which is a fun sentence to say and then becky you show up as uh one of the few people who seems to know something's up
0: right and she was uh, that's yeah based on the real uh uh, Secretary of Treasury No, who was I? Treasury? Commerce Commerce, that's Commerce. right Yeah, Secretary of Commerce It was based on a real woman Who happened to be from Kentucky, actually
2: Really? Uh, I had no yeah. idea
0: Yeah, yeah I did the research on her And her husband died mysteriously And I, I kept waiting for the script That was going to, you know Say that Dylan's character murdered him You know um, But <laughs> but they never, they never came up with it So do Uh, you,
2: you find yourself doing a lot of research, both of you, I can tell, you find yourself doing a lot of homework for your parts. You like to do the reading. You like to do the homework beforehand.
1: Well, Well, it's interesting. It's like in, 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 uh, Becky had a real person. I had a a guy who was an amalgamation of two or three different Nazis who were brought over to the United States for various reasons and how they, uh, how they happened. But it was interesting, uh, when we just going back to happiness for a second um i started thinking about well i've got to i've got to look into what it's like you know to be a pedophile and i said to the director todd solins i said todd should i try to meet a pedophile and he said absolutely not because if you meet anyone they will be convicted they will be guilty of being a pet, you you wouldn't be able to find your character because nobody knows about him. And he said, "I don't want you to talk to somebody who's guilty. This guy thinks he's innocent." I just got the creepiest chill of my. <laughs> that
2: was, I'm I like I'm in a cold sweat. I don't know how yeah. to feel right now. That's so smart. Oh my Isn't God! So fascinating. Th- his yeah. big thing, and this goes for the Nazi and hunters as well, is that his it's his secret. Yeah. This is, nobody knows his thing. How do you make a Nazi yeah. sympathetic? How do you, or not sympathetic, yeah. but playable at least?
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the real question. I think uh, I, I had to work on, you know, I thought, well, at least I have the, the bedrock of my family. My family that I love. Well, that only lasts for about 10 minutes in the pilot. Yeah, sure. So they wrap that up I pretty had quickly. So I had to look for other ways. And basically, I could come up with nothing except... He's the most important thing in the world. Whatever keeps him going, that's all that matters. I mean, I mean he, doesn't even, he doesn't even have a, an allegiance to the Nazi party. It's just about him.
2: That's so, I mean, to put it in like sort of modern psych talk. Yeah. I mean, what's more toxically narcissist than a Nazi? That's, you know, that, and that's playable. <laughs>
1: right, right. That's yeah. so
2: interesting. Um uh, so we, we got sidetracked earlier on. I was going to ask you about how how uh, the business, particularly TV and film, has changed in New York in the 40-some-odd years you guys have, have lived there. Because um, we were talking before we started, Becky and I, about how I kept... You know, I couldn't get seen for Law and Order. I kept knocking at the door at Spin City. And finally I said, fuck this and moved to Hollywood. And uh, I found my footing here, all's well. And then New York was like, great, he's gone. Let's get to work. Um, <laughs> speaking of making it all about me. Um, but, like, so how has that, how have things shifted over the past, even the past 20 years?
0: Oh, my gosh. There's there's just so much work now. I mean, uh, it. it you know, what uh, we were saying earlier was that we don't have to go to L.A. anymore to, to work. Um, we can stay in New York and get all kinds of television and film. And, uh, and and it's up and down the East Coast. You know, we'll go to Atlanta or Savannah or one of the many cities we're shooting in to shoot different things. It's been great, I have to say. Um, yeah, sure. You did... Uh,
2: um, uh, uh, Homeland. Where were they shooting Homeland at that point? North Carolina. Uh, that
1: that one was in Richmond, Virginia. I Richmond, guess. Virginia, so, old home week. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it was really kind of fun to be in a place where it was so close to things. I got to travel around a little bit while I was there, and and also work on an incredible television show. But you know, the big thing, the big change that uh, Becky mentioned is that we used, to, we used to go out to LA. I, I'd say we had at least three or four different times that we got an apartment, sat there for six months with some project or other. But then the other times, a lot of it was Canada. I mean, I, I literally went to uh, Vancouver, to uh, Toronto, to Nova Scotia, to uh, Ottawa, So many times that uh, I had a guy take my uh, passport and look at it and said, you know, you could get a, Dual passport, and you wouldn't have to because you've got plenty of. Were you had you worked
2: up there so together? much you were eligible yes. for citizenship? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We and, and we uh, and and so many of us. I mean, Dylan, you really had, but um it, it was there. Everybody was shooting in Canada because the dollar was doing so much better up there. And no. I remember we were shooting a show in Vancouver together when the Canadian dollar started catching up with the American dollar, and the Canadian crew were, they were going crazy because they. They could see the writing on the wall that the work was going to yeah. come back to the states. If oh, wow. uh wow yeah. yeah, and yeah. it did, and, and it, it did. did. It's, now
1: that's, it's why, that's why that's why New
0: York got busy again was because mm-hmm. finally you know the it was easier to shoot New York and the money was the same. Well, and they the, put in and some the tax
2: can, incentives, and I think there was also right. a need to throw business its way after nine eleven.
0: Right, right. But the tax um, incentives really helped everywhere, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, it took us, we, had a, we had a movie star for a governor. It took us a little while to catch up to that. <laughs> um, but that is an entirely separate podcast. both worked in new york and, and elsewhere with sam Raimi. i, w- I want to talk a little bit about about sam i i love his um i don't know go so far to call it a repertory company but he has some people he goes to frequently right. whose work he clearly enjoys what is it about working with sam that 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 clicks with you guys
0: he is hilarious let's just start there he comes even on a simple to- plan Oh, my God, hilarious. Um, yeah. Okay. All in a suit, very dressed in a suit and tie and just, um, uh, you know, when um, I had that uh, big death scene in Simple Plan, and I, there was one little piece of it where I had to throw my head back and try to land dead, you know, land backwards dead. And um, I kept doing something that would, you know, an eye would flick or something wrong, and I'd hear from Sam, eh. You know, he would he would buzzer me. He would buzzer me out every time it didn't work. You know, he just he'd he'd be his own buzzer until I got it right. He was just he's hilarious. He's um, and, uh, you know, about the people. Is his name Bill Campbell? Is that the guy that he works with all the time? What's, what's the one fellow's Campbell.
2: Oh, uh- Bruce, what
0: Bruce, is it? Campbell, Bruce yeah. Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. I remember yeah. when he put me, he tried to put me in a Spider-Man 3. And then he had to call and tell me that he was... Um, editing everything I did out because there were too many stories going on. And uh, when he called to tell me that, he left a voice message on the, the old phone answering machines. Mm-hmm. Um, he left a message. And pretty much the movie hadn't come out. It wasn't coming out for months. But he was telling me why he had to edit. And everything he said, if I, I could take that tape and sell it to some news media place and have had made... A lot of money because he basically gave away everything that was going to happen in that film <laughs> on my answering machine. People,
1: uh, trying this one to, this going to be playing this part. Yeah, this one's he was going to be trying to, this
0: thing. you know, give me the soft touch about why he had to cut me out, and and ended up explaining everything that was going to happen in the film. It was just wonderful. So I made sure that's so, I I mean, that's the, so
2: telling. I mean, listen to what you just said. He left the loveliest message firing me. It was, uh, <laughs> that is really the remark, that is the mark of a really considerate and kind. That's yeah. somebody you, you do go back to work oh. with repeatedly.
0: Oh my gosh. I loved him. I love him so much. He's just hilarious. He really is.
1: You've had a good experience my, too, Dylan, I, as well, I take it? Well, my favorite was that when we started off, I mean, uh, Spider-Man, Uh, one I'm mentioned in and then Spider-Man two I'm actually in Mm -hmm. so I had to appear on camera and uh, I've got to have one arm so I went through three or four different days over the course of four weeks meeting with people before I even met with Sam Uh, and I met with these technicians and they had these you know this thing it had a little thing on it and it'll move a little bit and then there was another one that did that we did all these different things and then finally it was the day with sam and they, they these guys are running around and putting the thing on he's looking at it and going um well and he just very calmly just say that doesn't really look like what you know okay we've got something else we got something else so we they put something else on there and he'd go no i like that even less okay okay it's okay we got some, and they brought something out and then it was the last thing and he was like no uh, and he just looked at me and said "Dylan what would you do?" and i said, "well, i mean, i could just keep my arm behind my back and do this." and they said, "well, what about when we turn around with the cameras?" and i said, "well, i guess i'd turn around and put my arm like this." and 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 he went, "that works. Let's do that." <laughs> it was the it was so fantastic. It was just <laughs> That's just, amazing. Like, Think all the money you guys, just saved. <laughs> they just, well they had all, you know, spent all this time doing it and they were like, Okay, good, good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you basically yes. did what every school play would have done to remove exactly. an arm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hide the fucking thing. Um <laughs> that had to be kind of interesting because it was those first couple Spider Men were um in an era where you were not guaranteed enormous box office for a comic book movie. It was before like the, and you know, it was like the Batman movies had kind of waned in the shoemaker, shoemaker years mm-hmm. a little bit. Were you surprised at like how huge it got?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it, it really was huge. I I first knew it was big when I was coming home from shooting and somebody contacted me and said, Have you seen yourself on this website? There's pictures up of you. And I was like, Pictures of what? It's like of you walking around as as whatever, Dr. Connors, you know, yeah. as the as the character. I was like, I just left the set. What do oh, you think? Oh, like talking that, that pictures from that day. It was already up oh, that wow, day. Yeah. 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 So I knew, okay, this is this is crazy.
2: The early days of the internet leak. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are there moments
2: you can answer this with as much caution as you want to are there moments you're both in this business you both have have vibrant eclectic careers but are there moments where one of you is on a little bit of a streak and one of you is like i will take the dogs for an extra long walk or or are, are there how do you deal with your own lulls how do you deal with a partner's lulls
0: i mean you, you know i think yeah we i think we i, I think the advantage of having a marriage that is uh, similar that, that that we're both in the same career is that this business is so filled with ups and downs. It's such a roller coaster ride. No matter how much success you've had, um, you're going to be on the downside again. And I think to have a partner that uh, knows, understands that journey, and is there to support you. But yeah, you know, I mean, I've had. Years where it was between me and the guy that got it, you know, <laughs> that where you'd, you'd be down to the wire on so many jobs and somehow the right one was just not coming to you. And um, it can be just so uh, it, devastating. And yet, um, I think the advantage to having a partner in this business and, and somebody, you know, is that how supportive they are, you know.
2: Well, it's just nice I mean, to have for, someone who knows exactly what
1: that feels yeah. like and isn't just yeah. like, eh, hey, you'll get the next one. What's for dinner? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: I mean, but for me, when I met Becky, uh, within a year she had gotten a play in Chicago at the Goodman Theater. And she was just, you know, going up and down and I, I, I just couldn't understand it. She said, you don't, you don't, I only do musicals. They only look at me for musicals. And I, you know, I just looked at her and I said, well, that's stupid. You're really a good actor. Why, why would you only do musicals? And, you know, it just, I think that was the other thing is that we're, we're each other's biggest fans. So the fact that some, one of us doesn't get something and says, God, can you believe it? They didn't want me. And it's just, you know, we look at it and we go, that's crazy because how could they ever get anything, anybody better than you to do that role, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, Absurd, I won't it. And we have believe it, it so. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. I asked this question of everybody and I warned you guys it was coming. Are there parts that, uh, that, that got away? And I'm, listen, I, and it doesn't have to be, in fact, it's probably better if it isn't a particularly bitter recollection, but I'm interested if we can go into Spider-Man terms again in the multiverse of like, we have people on this show who come in and it turns out that John Carroll Lynch read for Walter White, fascinating. And oh I'm interested God. in those kind Gosh. of, right? Isn't that wild? That's yes. wild, right? So yes. I'm interested in those kind of alternate universes out there where Mackenzie Aston read for Jack and Titanic. Who knew? Okay. So I'm, I'm fascinated in, like, were there things that, that turned into something that just slipped through your fingers where it was, in fact, the other guy, as you said, Becky?
0: Well, I I have one quick, I'll try to tell the quick version of this. It's kind of the opposite of what we're saying. I had uh, had a really bad year where I just hadn't gotten anything. And I was just so disgusted with myself that I had decided I went out for a car ride and decided, uh, made peace with the fact that I was going to get out of the business. And I was going to call a few producers I knew. And I was going to, I thought I'd be a really good line producer because I'm really, you know, efficient. And I just decided that was it. And I, Pulled up into the um, driveway here and Dylan was at the door. It was a Sunday and he was pink. He was just pink. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. They want you to be on a plane tomorrow morning to go to L.A. Sam Raimi wants you. He's written a part for you in Spider-Man 3. And he (laughs) needs you out there tomorrow. And it was a Sunday. They had somehow reached my agents and come to this idea. And I am like, now I had... That afternoon made peace with the fact that I'm going to leave this business, and here I am on a plane the next morning going to L.A. to do, you know, Sam Raimi's next film. It was crazy. And, of
1: course, this is a part you got cut from. I, it so. got cut,
0: but it dragged me back into the business.
1: <laughs> they keep dragging you back. They keep dragging you back. Dylan, same question. Um, well, I you know, I had an audition for a sitcom in New York uh, for, I think it was NBC and it went incredibly well and they were ready to take me and you know this is this is, this is, I I thought I was so freaking good and when I heard that Steve Carell had gotten the office I couldn't I was who is this guy now and that has happened to me a few times it also happened to me on uh the uh on uh what is the one the uh, Star Trek one with uh, Tim Allen and uh Oh,
0: oh, Galaxy uh, Quest! Galaxy
1: Quest. Quest! I auditioned for Guy Number Seven or whatever, to Guy Number Four. The Sam Rockwell and, part? Yes, and and when I heard that Sam Rockwell had gotten it, who just did the Green, like the Green Mile, that I I had to run from the theater. He was the scariest thing in the world. I was yeah. like, these people don't understand. He he can't possibly. And then of course I see The Office. And then, of course, I see Galaxy Quest. I'm like, "How could you ever get anybody else but those guys?" For that's those that's where roles? all of these stories end
2: up. It, it, it's this. It's like the the a very quick jump in the uh, Eliza- Elizabeth Elizabeth Kubler Ross uh, grieving stages. You know, from like complete disbelief to, "Oh no, clearly this is Steve Carell's role. Never mind." Thank you for your time. Um, that's so funny. Um, I mean, listen, I'm I've lived in L.A. for 20 years. My my road with the office was was just a constant uh, drive of of heartbreak up to van nuys a couple times a year <laughs> those guys love to see me oh my god they, having, they thought i had all the time in the world <laughs> um, but again rain wilson i'm not gonna take anything away that's a great performance that's a that's not i don't do that that is him <laughs> um, that's so great You know, I watched recently, um, I watched your first episode of Brockmeyer, and I, I will admit I, mm. I'd not seen the show before, um, but it's it's wonderful. It's so good, and you're it, so good on it. Um, uh, how you come in, you're playing Hank Azaria's sister. There is this immediate rapport with you two where you can just, in just a few lines of dialogue, there's like, oh, my God, there's a ton of baggage with these people. There's, <laughs> right. there's decades. Right. Did you know Hank beforehand?
0: No, not at all. I mean, oh um, uh, he, um, but he I mean, he is such an available actor, you know, um, and uh, that's, such a,
2: that's such a carefully chosen word. What do you mean?
0: Yeah, he's just wildly available. I mean, it's, it, it's like Peter Scolari, it, 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 wherever you are, they're willing to go there with you. And, uh, uh, you know, no matter uh, they're so present. That, you know, whatever happens, they pick up on everything. And so that the scene just becomes so much fun to do, you know. Um, uh, he, we had a lot of fun on that show. And then Linda Lavin shows up in another season as our mother. It, it, it just it just gets better and better, you know. Um, there is something, so.
2: I, I did one thing with, with Hank. It was I honestly think the show got canceled before my episode even aired. But I, I love that word available because that was my thing is that I had a small part He did not treat me like I had a small part. He, if I changed the slightest little thing, he changed the slightest little thing. He really creates a little ecosystem with the other actor.
0: Right. Yeah. And and he shifts things accordingly. Yeah. He's so sensitive to everything that's going on. And he was, you know, writing and producing and, and, and creating that, that he had, it was based on something he had created prior to. The television show, a, a right. you know, a character that he had created. So he's just all in, you know. It's just everything's in, and uh, he's well, just terrific. Uh,
1: Becky and I are good friends with Richard Kind, and I don't think any podcast can go this long without mentioning Richard <laughs> Kind. No, of course not. <laughs> some some former. No, we're a country of <laughs> <And Laura laughs> that they would sit they you know part of a poker game and this was a character that hank azaria used to do at the poker game all the time and it just like doing this sportscaster and and then it worked it into a tv show that was hilarious it's
2: so good it's so good it's so dark also but not like sort of it isn't dark in that way that a lot of uh um prestige comedy is in the sense of like oh yeah we're going there it earns its darkness yeah. in a way, yeah. you know, right. it's really, it's right. really smart. Yeah. yeah. Richard kind. I, I want to have him on the podcast. And then part of me wonders if it's just
1: two on the nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it, it might be two on the nose, but uh, you'll be kicking yourself forever. If you don't. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll make that yeah. happen.
2: We'll make yeah. that you guys, honest to God, you guys were the priority, but I'm, I'm, I, we will get to Richard <laughs> kind at, at, at some point um, <laughs> uh, if I can ever get especially,
1: him to Especially, especially for, our, for, valentine's day i mean what more <laughs> do you want but richard Kind, That's richard kine by himself the chocolates back fantastic himself. <laughs> gorgeous um
2: uh, more recently um i know you guys are dividing your time between manhattan and you got a place upstate and and that led you um to your episode of socially distanced on on netflix which is this beautiful little 20 minute short film Part of the anthology uh, series that Genji Cohen produced that is about retirement um, yeah. and uh, what it means. It's uh, if it's even necessary. Um, how did that come? How did that that project come into your life? Firstly,
0: they just they just threw it at us. I don't even remember whose idea it was, but somehow you know they were looking for actors that were living together, sheltering together during the pandemic. Um, right. We, we were not only uh, actors, but we were the, our crew. We were uh, the entire crew. We would Zoom with 32 different people, and they sent all the equipment to our front door, including an RV, which was part of the set. And right. Can 13, I ask when this
2: this was early on in lockdown? July. This was like Last summer, right? It, summer it was 2020?
0: July, it was July, yeah, early July. of uh, oh, yeah, wow. early July. And uh, they sent 13 iPhone 11s in different cases. And then when we would shoot, we would shoot with a couple different iPhones and they would have a courier would come pick up the cases for just those and drive at 10 o'clock at night and drive them back to the city so they could look at the dailies in the morning and then see what we, it was the craziest thing. Dylan was hanging lights and up on ladders and I was our (laughs) set decorator and I made all the props, the food, you know, um, it was crazy. It was the craziest. the The
1: first day we were like, we can do this. We can be this crew by the last day. We're like, Thank God there are people that are crew because <laughs> we, this is the, really hard. The
0: next time both of us hit a set, we just basically oh, wept in front so, of the like crew and said thank hugging you. Hugging all so of the much. gaffers. is yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gaffer not my so calling.
2: It was how long did, did it take to shoot under those circumstances?
0: Well, we had a lot of we had probably a week or two to prep because yeah, we, we took a lot two of weeks courses. To prep. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. took a lot of classes in how to take anybody's regular old iPhone 11 and create certain lenses on it. They're all in there. You just have to know and, what and to do. For some
1: reason, everybody was Jess. So it was like yeah. Jess. How do I do this? And three Jesses would oh. pop up. Three- Literally, yeah. everybody was Jess. Okay, or,
0: wow. Yes, yeah. They
1: were all. It Jess, was
0: either Jesse so. or Jessica, or but they were all Jesses. <laughs> but it was incredible. You would not believe what's in what's in our phones. You know the the capabilities of widening the lens or de- you know all this stuff. So it was yeah. pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Now that you um, mention
2: it, yeah, it is aesthetically more pleasing than you might expect it, it's actually there's there's a, that very nice moment where you guys are having you know quote-unquote dinner with another couple right, right. and and the lighting is actually very soft and flattering and it, it looks really good good on you we did that <laughs> that's you we did
0: that lighting that's all you guys it was, it was yeah. so crazy it really was the only person they sent was a sound man because, as we all know, you nobody can get sound right. Nobody, and uh, he stayed in a hotel across the river. And he came to the house. And if he came in the house, we had to leave. These were all the SAG rules because there weren't there wasn't a vaccine yet. There wasn't anything. So we, we were still
2: wiping down our groceries in July. Yeah, yes, we, were, we were we were still yeah.
0: spraying everything. So um, so but but it, it just always so amusing to me that the only person they had to send was the sound guy because nobody can get sound right. Nobody you
2: know it's been my experience that you can pass off shitty lighting as an artistic choice but bad sound mm. is just bad sound <laughs> that's right
0: that's exactly right
2: it's a little <laughs> reductive but i'm also right <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that's yeah. Um, true that's
2: so uh interesting the show begged the question i mean obviously he's already settled into his retirement she's a doctor who loves her job and is clearly very good at it but it begs the question do you think about retiring I don't think you should personally. I'll, I'll play. My, I'll play that card right out of the gate. I'll show that I don't think you should at all. But do you think about it? What you would know, it look I think like?
0: actors. I don't think actors really retire. They just kind of choose fewer jobs, or they choose. You know, there are either there are fewer jobs to choose from, or you make choices that are based on what you want to do rather than you know uh, need to do.
1: Oh, okay. Know? I think, you know, you really I find when I uh, if I look at something that is a possibility, if it's uh, if it's television and every scene that I'm supposed to be in says night exterior (laughs) and they're going to be shooting in February, it's like, you know. I could do the Americans a few years back, but now I'm, uh, this better be really good.
0: <laughs> I just remember to- we we shot this show called The King, King it was King's Kings. Kings, Kings. And, yeah. and, yeah. and I, McCain. of course, was the, uh, yeah. That's right. And I That's was right. the mother yeah. to this, the lead, David, the lead, Who's, you know, right. It was like Lucy's like a
2: contemporary version of King David a few years back. Exactly. Past. And my right. son
0: was this young Australian actor in his early twenties who who'd never done anything, and he's just so excited to be the lead in this American television series. And Dylan comes home and tells me about this night. It's like cold February. Dylan's sitting in Gar- Dylan's character is sitting in a limo, in a warm limo. And my son the young Australian actor is outside the limo the entire night and that's where the scene is. And between the takes, Dylan's window would go up so he could keep his comfort. <laughs> and we realized, you know, he just didn't know yet that to to just say, I'm I'm not gonna do this. I'm you know, I, I need
2: <laughs> Did he ask to come into the car? <laughs> Oh, I
1: that that didn't work. That just didn't work somehow. No, Mister Baker. Uh,
2: Mister Baker will not have anyone joining him in the car.
1: <laughs> but it's
0: true. And also
2: consider like how cold it is for for us if you're Australian. I know. <laughs> I know yeah. I mean. you can subtract another twenty degrees relatively. You know. <laughs> oh, oh my god.
0: Oh my god. It's just you know, but it's true. The the I think we we base our choices as we go on based on our comfort, you know, like what, what level of comfort is this show gonna be?
1: I remember when I, I but learning things, cause that's when you, you do teach them. By the end, I rolled my window down and went, come here. Don't do that anymore, it's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you gotta pass on wisdom. But uh, when I was young, when I was doing, I can't remember what the movie was, but uh, Charles Durning was in it. And uh, Charlie Durning and I were sitting in a car and we were, there was something going on outside of the car. And we, you know, it was a long shot. And I was just talking away to him going, well, I think it was that. He just kept looking at me and looking back at the thing and just keeping his mouth closed. And, you know, and and after we did like three texts, I said, you're not saying anything. And he said, yeah. And when we do ADR in three months and you have to find lines that match your mouth, I'm not going to have to say a thing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you son of a gun. You, wow. I can't believe. And he was totally right. All of sure. a sudden, three months later, they're like, what were you saying here? It's like, I don't Fuck know I what remember. I was saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That's brilliant. What um Durning fascinates me um, because Durning doesn't break until his 50s with Dog yeah. Day Afternoon, I think. Um, and then suddenly he's off to the races and works nonstop for like the next thirty years or so. I'm sure it didn't feel nonstop to him, but it felt pretty. Was that nonstop. before
1: the sting? Or...
2: They're right around the same. It's I think they're both right 73. around the same time. I think yeah. I think they're both okay. seventy three. Um, and you know, one of just such an inspiration to me, just as this guy who who decided you know, who who has his ingenue year in his in his fifties, kind of, you know, who were some actors coming up when you were coming up that you looked at were ahead of you and were like, Oh, that I want to do that. That is, that is what I want to do. Not necessarily leads, but other like character actors, people who filled out the sides of the screen.
1: It's, it's funny, but we're contemporary. Charles guys too. It's Charles Durning. I, yeah. I did a play with Charlie in 1986. I think it was yeah. no 80, it, and, 89, uh, 87 a- or 88. 88. It was 88, 88. Cause the election was going yeah, on. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I, 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 we got to do... A, what was the, the play? Ten, the Tennessee Williams play, uh, Sweet, Sweet Bird of to Youth.
0: Youth. With uh, okay. jo, Joanne... With uh,
1: Joanne Woodward. Woodward. And Terry Kinney. And, oh, wow. Oh, Terry Kinney. Played, I should get Terry Kinney.
0: And Charles yeah. Durning was Dylan's father. You were playing father and boss son. boss
1: Finley, and I was Tom Finley. And we had this, uh, and I, I just loved that guy so much. I, I couldn't stand it. And I got, the last time I saw him was when he did the gin game on Broadway. Right. And he was, uh, and he did, yeah. And I, I went to his dressing room and sat with him and talked. And he was a guy, literally, he knew he could sing. He was a singer. And he went over and he fought in the war and he would never talk about what he did there. But he was obviously highly decorated. Incredible, incredible uh, soldier. And he came back and he, the GI program, the GI Bill and all that stuff, he used the works program in Brooklyn and he joined this theater troupe. He'd never acted before. And they gave him money. They let him be an actor in this troupe and they did, they would rehearse for a week. And then they would do a play. So they'd rehearse for a week, do a play, rehearse another play for a week and do that the next week. So he said in one year, they did 52 different plays. Wow. And he said, in that time you're playing all these days, you've got to come up with stuff. You've got to come up. And that's, you know, in terms of being a character actor, Uh, that's what you got to do. you got to come up with different stuff. You're, you're, it's quick. It's fast. It's like, do you're doing this TV show? The director says this isn't working. You got to come up with stuff.
2: That's, that is a a wonderful lesson. I, I think a lot of the people I interview get typecast a lot. You know, we have like, we have, uh, guys who are uh, always the mean dad. I have my my share of creepy authority figures who come through these portals. Um, And we always talk about how to shade them, how to give these different characters uh, an idiosyncrasy that separates them so you're not just phoning it in all the time. And that's so... But yeah, the more you mention it, you look at like the jump from... Dog Day Afternoon to the Sting to Muppet Movie, all of which are that's about a five year gap there, you know, and they're wildly distinct characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Becky, same question. Who are some people who who left out at you?
0: Well, I love Shirley MacLaine. I just thought, uh, you know, uh, she could do anything. Um, uh, There were, you know, I my heroes were. it's funny, you know, Dylan had all this uh, association with great music from the time we were growing up, like the Beatles and everybody. And all I did was, was listen to show albums, you know. And so Oh, really? My, yeah. So my library was so tiny compared to other people's. But, um, you know, so I was more of the uh, Mary Martin and Judy Garland. And, you know, I mean, I just all the singer actor types that uh, were my heroes, you know. Growing up.
1: But you also loved that woman who was, who was that one that was southern, that was so sexy? Oh, Ann,
0: uh, uh, Ann Wedgeworth.
1: And Wedgeworth. I, I ended that up was doing a play. Uh, I
0: did a play with her at uh, Actors Studio one time. And she was just so sexy. Everything, she just identified everything just sexually. And I'll never forget at the end of our little run of the play, she said to me, I have so enjoyed working with you. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, just everything she said was sexy. And uh, I'm embarrassed. I I had to
2: look her up. But I, I know, I, I, I look yeah. at her, I'm like, yes, absolutely. She oh, was incredible. she was just
0: amazing. Yeah, those were, yeah, she was, uh, yeah, that's another great example. I,
2: I strongly recommend the listener, Google and Wedgworth. She did, you know, it's so funny. She did, she had an arc that I remember her on, on Three's Company. And Three's Company gets knocked all the time because it was, you know, it was quote unquote lowbrow. But I don't know anybody in our field who won't give it up for John Ritter.
0: right. Right. You know, and
2: I it was essentially a commedia dell'art every week.
0: Wow. Yeah. With
2: slamming doors and and misunderstandings and mistaken identities. Every week they just cranked out an Italian farce for like eight seasons or whatever. I
0: love it. I love it.
2: And and it's so interesting how many good people you go back and you watch like the main cast, but then you know James Cromwell shows up oh. once in a while as a cop, but you're like, holy shit, that's James Cromwell. <laughs> they got yeah. great people on that show.
0: Yeah. I love, our, that, I love that about our business is that you can be watching anything and somebody will pop up and, and you know, you had no idea they did something like that, but yeah. I well, I loved, think
1: it's, I saw, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, an uh, 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 Andy Taylor, you know, like, uh, uh, Mayberry RFD, yeah, and everybody in the town was all excited because they'd found this guy who stole a television, and they're all like, "Well, well," you know, all these character actors, and they finally get into this room, and it's like all these people, and they've got him, they've got him, and he's like, "All right, all right," and he's getting through the whole group, and he gets through, and there's the guy, and it's Jack Nicholson. <gasps> <laughs> it's like you gotta be—I—I I, I just about fell off my chair. And they're like, "Well, what's going on with this?" And he said, well, sheriff, I, I took the TV. I was
2: like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think both of you have that same. Eff- I think both of you have that same effect on a viewer. I think there's a certain extent of you know you're watching The Good Wife. Oh, this guy. We're gonna talk about this guy for a couple <laughs> scenes. He killed his wife. Oh, but he got off. He's like OJ. but blah, Oh gosh. Oh my God. They're really setting this up, and of course. There it is. There's <laughs> there it is. There
0: it is. <laughs> and, and
2: you know, when 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 the camera cuts over to the bench and uh, there there's uh, you know Becky presiding over the Central Coast in Big Little Lies, like oh of course there we go. Of and there's you both ghost. have that sense. Yeah of, oh, wow, yeah, we're this person's on camera. We're in good hands for the next scene or two. Oh,
0: oh thank you. That's so <laughs> thank kind. Thank you very much. Yeah, Guys, thank you kind. so
2: much for doing this. Uh, it was such pleasure. an honor to talk to both of you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah.
0: Thank you. You as well. How about
1: that? <laughs> Honey, I've got a flower for you. I'm just not, uh,
0: you
2: know. It's... This isn't a visual medium. As far as my listeners are concerned, you have a flower. <laughs> yeah.
0: Take them all.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's several of them. The theater of the mind. It's beautiful.
0: Thanks so much, John.
2: And that is an episode wrap on Dylan and Becky Ann Baker, neither of whom appear to be on social media, which is probably why they seem so happy. Forever.